June 27, 2010. It's a Watt from Pedro show.
Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, you just heard uh, Reek by Shitbird. Start off the show with uh, Mr. Knipe, John Coltrane. And in between that was a song by our host today, Brother Matt. No, not our host. We're the host, huh? <laughs> it's our guest from Camarillo. <laughs> Mr. Peter DiStefano, welcome aboard. Yeah, that welcome. That was a tune you wrote about uh, Jaco Pistorius being beat yeah, to death. Well, yeah, I just... Uh, called Diminished. Yeah. Yeah, we... Uh, thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you for... It's an honor that you guys invited me on your show. Nice to have and, you here. And uh, I was very excited for this. Oh, respect. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the song was written... I just, you know, as a bass player, he had different vocabulary than the standard... Bass players I was listening to, you know, with scales that I'd never heard before. So I looked into it and I discovered diminished scales, you know, and then also the story of what happened to him with smoking crack and getting beat to death yeah. at a bar, you know. Um, it's like his life was diminished, so it sort of worked all together. Oh, diminished scale, diminished life. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I was horribly addicted to crack cocaine too and heroin, but I just got a break. It's been many years, though, you've been free. Yeah, uh, in a few weeks I'll have 13 years sober. Awesome. Oh, my dad, oh. Yeah. That means congratulations. Thank yeah, you. respect. Thank you. Respect, yeah, absolutely. Song okay. It's a gift. Uh, yeah, but you work hard at it. Yeah, yeah, you're It's right. both. Yeah. Both. And uh, I kind of know a little bit. <laughs> Not that, right? Yeah. I mean, I want to start with your music life. Mm -hmm. Because I came in later to your life, even though it's been many years. Maybe, maybe how many? Fifteen? Gosh, it's been, yeah. When I started, uh, yeah. My time, but let's back up. Let's go when you first was aware of music. How old were you? Well, it was in my family. My dad, you know. Um, this is Santa Monica? Yeah. My dad did um, Sicilian music, you know, like. He did that kind of stuff yeah, at parties every weekend, and I just was the happiest then, you know? And then the rest of life was a nightmare. How old, how old was this? I was, you know, three years old, four years Whoa. old, and we were doing these parties, and up until I was 13 when I grabbed the guitar, you know, and said, this his? is it. What? His guitar? Yeah, his guitar, and said, this is it. And then, you know, just started selling flowers, whatever I could to get money to get a guitar, you know? And, uh, cause oh, my you let go of his. Yeah, yeah, to let go of his and get my own. And so, <laughs> Did you jamming on it? Yeah. Do you remember the first song you learned? Uh, Country Roads from yeah. John Denver. My John sister Denver. taught me that. And, uh, oh, she was a musician. Yeah, my, my whole family was music, yeah. you know? But I guess I started with just picking up the guitar and just going... As a kid, you know, just hitting one note and putting my finger on another thing and then trying different cadences like... And I said, okay, I got something going and it feels good. 
Yeah. So and 13 then, is when you yeah. sold enough flowers to get a guitar? Yeah, yeah. So 13, I took it When was I that? Said, when was that? That was, uh, well, I'm 45 now, so. Last week. Last week, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was, it was, and it's something It was 29 happened. years ago. Yeah. So I just. So uh, 1971. Yeah. Wow. No, no, 1971, I'd be six years old, so it was 1976, right? Because that's a little... But that's 24, no, that's 34 years. Well, I can't... I'm, You're the math whiz. Math whiz. <laughs> no, I, okay, so 1970, <laughs> I was five. 1975, I was 10. 78. 78, yeah. 1978, and then I wanted a guitar like Jimmy Page because I thought Les Pauls were cool, so I bought a cheap Hondo guitar, and it was terrible. Like the the other guitar that it had that looked like an Italian guitar was cooler; it was a better built instrument. And I was so miserable that I, tri- you know, did that. What do you for mean the Elvis movie. Presley first? You were trying the, to play with Elvis was Presley was the huge thing for me. Elvis, and then the Beatles, and then Creedence Clearwater Revival. I snapped over Traveling Band that song. <laughs> And I just used to pretend with a tennis racket that I was in front of my elementary school, and uh, you know, listening to, uh, gosh, Peter Frampton and and all that stuff. Well, Jimmy Page must have heard. Some oh Led yeah, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin changed my life. Went to you know, I smoked weed and went to uh, the song remains the same, Midnight Showing, uh, mm-hmm. and then I got it, and then that was it. And then after that, Hendrix came, and then Hendrix. I've never really gotten over Hendrix. So you work like uh, listening to records yeah. and trying to play the songs on the records. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then I took lessons, and then I got into Andrew Segovia, the whole classical wow. finger-picking thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, this kind of trip. You know, that whole picking stuff. And I got really into that. What about that. songwriting? And then songwriting, of course, you know. Jimmy Don't Hedrick's, you like this? I love it. I love the bikes going by. And Shut the hatch, sir. Shut the hatch. Sounds of Pedro. But, you know, I... The, the, well, I I liked all sorts of music. I liked. I got into jazz. I got into classical. I got into, and that's why bands like Led Zeppelin, because they had that. You know that that song, babe. I'm gonna... yeah. It has that kind of like. There was a finger picking. What was that thing. band? Ten years after. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to change the world. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of that. Oh, it does. Cool. Mm-hmm. I wonder who was first. Is it Ed that? Yeah. I don't know who was first. Is that Led Zeppelin three? Yeah. That, no, that's Led Zeppelin one, nine, one. That was 1969. Mm-hmm. Babe, I'm gonna leave you. Anyway, so that right. I was yeah. like, wow, because yeah, Hendrix had the feedback. <laughs> Hendrix had the feedback going and the whole wailing and the screaming emotionally. Yeah. But I felt like Jimmy Page had the finger pick, the the picking, the classical part of it. Yeah. And so I like the blues and the classical. And then the jazz just destroyed me. And that was, you know, Miles Davis, Coltrane. But this is I got all, into that with you. When but you this is all, man, well, yeah, but don't, don't jump ahead yet. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is, you, you've got this Hondo, yeah. and you saw that movie. Yeah. And uh, But you're man alone, no band. 
No, I I want I was into Jimi Hendrix, you know, like trying to do it all on my own, you know, like yeah, right. Trip. When was your first band? My first band was um, actually a band. Did you start with writing Eric, songs? Eric Avery on bass mm-hmm. and Sean Sullivan on drums. We didn't have a name. We just went into his garage and we played. I think cocaine from Eric Clapton and Sympathy for the Devil, J. and it J. felt Kale? so good. Was that JJ Kale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it felt so good, and then. And then Eric moved on because he got into New Wave and then he became famous in Jane's Addiction. I was like, wow, yeah. he made it. Did you write songs then? Yeah, I was writing. I started writing songs. What was the first song you wrote? Uh, this song called Love's Like a Magnet. <laughs> anyway, love's like a magnet. Can't you see that I'm attracted to your love? It was like little... <laughs> Retarded songs, but you know they're sincere. You yeah, know, yeah, I was yeah. trying to be uh, poetic, you know, and and uh, so I just, you know, I, at this point, it's you it's had all a no-name garage band. Yeah, Did you guys no ever name. do gigs? No, no, we just Jammed. practiced twice in the garage, and then Eric quit twice. Yeah, that was then, it. Yeah, and then Sean and I <laughs> went out some and short played stick. a gig, and we, we played our first gig at a party with a different bass player named Eric Bolts. And I played the whole time with my back towards the audience. First gig. Yeah, and then I then I turned around and, and then I started singing when the people were cool, and then it was great. And then we got asked to play a second party that same night, so we packed up and we went to another party. And it was all like, it was like, well, hip hop wasn't invented in those days, but it was more of like you know, uh, uh, what's the politically correct way of saying uh, rapping? Yeah, like no, not a rapping, An but urban like crowd. Yeah, it's just, just you know, not surfer crowd. It oh, was, yeah. Uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm was like, I, I I'm going to, you know, play us some funk, man. Play us some, ah. you know. So I was like, okay, I'll play a black magic woman or something from Santana. You know, I was just scared. And they started playing and they just booed us. And we couldn't even get through the song. Character and builder. And Sean was crying, the drummer. And it was a disaster. And then I realized, I go, if this is the worst, if that was the best, and this is the worst. All on the same I, night? I can do this. Yeah. I can be booed. It's Because I wanted to be a pro surfer. But, man, when I would go out there and I'd go, Mommy, please, and the waves would hit me. The big I'd wall. Water drowning, you know. Yeah. i go, dude, the big wave thing is just too scary. I don't want to die. Are you still in high school at this point? And, no, I was in, uh, yeah, still in high school, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, then I got in a surf band called K-38. We wrote original songs and played surf music. Like, you know. And and that was great. I had an eight-year run with that and we had a good, fun time in Santa Monica and the beach and all that stuff. And then I just started getting really serious and then I started to want to, you know, write songs like the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and, you know, tunes with, with substance. You know, like Monkey Man just floored me and and can't you hear me knocking and monkey man you know and then the germs destroyed me you know pat smear i was just like oh my god i'm such a pussy in a pussy beach band i wanted to be tough you know i wanted to be tough you know so i went through the whole heterosexual trip you know trying to be tough yeah and then i realized that my heroes like Jimi hendrix john coltrane miles davis jimmy page uh Darby crashed. They were all shooting heroin, you know. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna make a deal with the devil." So I went, and got a needle and some heroin, just went for it, dove into it. I didn't do it because of molestation or problems or I had a great upbringing. I just 
wanted to make great music. Oh, you just, thought that was I the thought key. that was the ticket. That was the crossroads. When Robert Johnson went, they made a deal. He met the fucking dealer at the at the corner. At the crossroads. At the crossroads. He got the dope, the heroin, and did that, and that was going to give him the mojo. I, I, I used to sleep with my guitar and pray for the mojo because I would see Led Zeppelin, and I saw technically guitar players that were just had from brain to hand just outstanding technique know, technique and got all the notes right and could play Mozart Beethoven and everything but there was something about when Keith Richards went and I just and the whole place went yeah and it was just a couple you know there was no or punk rock's a great example it just exploded you know so it's like how do you get that power you know so I thought it was heroin and I dove into that because you know and then I was a huge fan of Perry and you know Nothing that triple X record, that independent record. Live. I like, yeah, I just heard it. And I was like, oh my God, the mojo's there. He's doing heroin. That's it. So then I started doing it. And it, the weird thing, Perry picked me as a, as a guitar player right when I made that decision. So I don't know if it oh, was. Oh, he's a making devil. a new band. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it was the devil. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but I just said, I'm going to commit suicide to get mojo, to get. In to get, I just want in. I don't care. Death is worth it, you know. And that's my story, you know. And then I realized that, you know, you could. Or so you started right playing with Porno for Pyros. Yeah, and then I started playing with writing Pyro. songs for Pear. Writing with songs them. with Pear. We did that first record in two weeks. You know, I mean, writing, recording, mixing, mastering, everything in two weeks. And it was during the mm. riots and that craziness and stuff. And and you know, it was a great. Great run, and then in '97, well, you did touring. That yeah. was were your first tours, right? Yeah, my first tours were Porno for Pyros. We did three legs of touring, and then uh, you know I got to see the world and everything. That was great, and we we went gold on the first record. Then we took two and a half years to make the second record because of so much helicopter. Work. Helicopter at Woodstock did the whole bourgeois thing. You know what I mean? And then we I met you, and you have probably been God. I don't. Maybe I've been hiding it from you, but you've probably been, been the biggest influence on me since I met you. Was it 95? 1995? God, I was on drugs. I don't remember. But it was, <laughs> no, it was before you were in the band. We went to a party at, with Dick Rude and oh, yeah. Flea and all them. And, and they go, this is Mike Watt. He's, you know, everybody, all the stars were saying Mike Watt's heavy. And, and Anthony Kiedis and Flea, they're going, this dude, he's the best. And everyone was saying you were the best. And I was like, that guy he looks like a plumber. What, what do you what do you mean? He's not a rockster, he's a plumber. You wearing a plumber shirt? And, and they go, they go, no, dude, he's the heavy one, not us, not this. And I was just searching for mojo, you know, still, you know. But by then I was hooked already, you know? Yeah. And then so I was gravitated to what everyone was telling me was the shit. And that was Mike Watt. So I went and investigated and and I realized, you know. I'm putting sissy-ass hair dye in my head, and I'm doing... You know, and I just learned a lot, you know. And I'm needing this, and a wardrobist, and all this shit, you know. And I realized that, you know, I'm traveling with five bags of cosmetic... You know, just, just you know, I was completely down the wrong path. Early sacks were full. Yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> and so I realized, I learned, like, wow, what, this is... You know, what's important is the music again. You know, the guitar, it's all... It's the instrument, you know. Doing, you know, searching... For the mojo and just forgetting about everything else, making that important. And so, you know, since then, it's, it's just... One more time, had 
to kind of leave the band. Yeah, it was all drugs. And I was jamming with Perk, and yeah. Perk said, hey. Yeah, let's get Wada in. And I was like, yeah, and then we, we did that. We did that record together. We toured. That was great. And we've been doing Hell Ride since. Yeah. And uh, At that time, you guys were living at that house in Zuma. Yeah, we lived in a house, on the, a 10-bedroom house, for two and a half years. I had a three-story place in Venice Beach, and I had a two-story place in the Palisades all at once that we were renting. I didn't buy anything, so I was renting. Like, I mean, the, any money that I made just went right out. The, you know, it was all spent and blown. And then at the end of it all, I would parry like 150000 and Warner Brothers three hundred grand. So I was like, at the end of it, I just had a gnarly, junky habit, tons of bills, and then I got cancer, and cancer. chemotherapy bills, and I was like a million dollars in debt. And ready to die, and then they started Jane's again, and I went into the hospital to go turn myself in, and just you know, I'm done, you know. Let's do chemo. Let's do you know, keep me alive as much as you can, because I had a daughter and, and a girlfriend at the time. I was like, I want to stay as long as I can to see them before I split. But then I started living, you know, and the chemo worked, and there was you know, I was like, man, okay, I got to get back into music, and they were doing Jane's again, so the porno was not available. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing solo records. And I've made a solo record every year since. But it took from 1998 to 2004 to make my first solo record because of record companies and marketing and all this shit. And I didn't have the ability, that I didn't own a computer and didn't, there wasn't really computers, you know, it didn't kick in the whole recording by yourself thing. And I didn't have like a sugar daddy to bring me into these big tape machines and get musicians and all that stuff. So I was like, you know, so when the time came in 2004, I was able to get a computer. And then since then on, I've been making a solo record every year. And so I have, now I'm going to be working on my eighth. And I make my solo records every October to January. And then in between there, I work on a bunch of other stuff and stuff to make money, you know, Bob De Niro. And then, uh, and then the solo records I uh, do then, but I, Last night I did a song for the first time in June since I've been making solo records for this show. Let's too. play it. Do you want to play it? It's on that one CD. Right, I'll play it right one. now. Okay. What's it called? Oh, God, I don't know. What's up? What does it say on the CD? I wrote it last night and recorded it and mixed it and mastered it all. Um, <laughs> the Wronged Ones. The Wronged Ones, yeah. Okay, a lot from Peter's show. Yeah.
from Pedro show uh, started that off with a 12 hour song written last night yeah, 12 hours you wrote it one in the morning well I was done at one okay. by one uh, the wronged ones by Peter DeStefano and uh, yeah what was the trip on that well I just you know when you asked me to to write the radio show and then you called me and you said you know uh, write bring the some radio music. show no no you, you go bring bring uh some music on a CD and a yeah. guitar and stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, I'd, I'd like to give oh, you Oh, you mean some- guest on the radio show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, guest. I wanted to write something special for you. You deserve yeah. something uh, very kind. new. And and not just like... And plus, I'm not trying to sell anything. I give all my music away for free on org. It's a fan site, and there's a vault. And that's why I do all these other things. Like I have this partner, Mark Gann, and we have this company called D&G Entertainment where we produce bands and we're doing this band called the Dirty River Boys from Texas and they're just badass. And and I do that kind of stuff and film scores and playing on 
Harry Gregson Williams film scores yeah. and stuff. And then my solo music, Peter DiStefano, I want to give away for free and forget the whole label and iTunes and trying to get units and marketing and all that stuff because I I want to make music whenever you know every year consistently like a diary and plus it's like my religion and I don't feel like I should be selling my religion you know that's p e t e r d i s t f a n o dot org yeah p e t e r d i s t e f a n o dot org Did I forget the e yeah, it's all right. But I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it's whatever. You can just Google my name and find it. But it's it's all there on that. It's called The Circle, PeterStefanoCircle.org. And it's just a group of 100, 100 or so artists that have their art up there. And then I just put all my whole catalog there for free download. That's righteous philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and then I just make money musically other ways, producing, doing stuff, other bands. Oh, and we heard some other music, too. We heard uh, so, some uh, Jajaka by yeah. Kuru Crew, they got a new album, and that's got uh, Bingo from Fifty Four Seventy One singing with them, hmm. and then Image Game by Light, Light's band I'm on a tour with in October over there, and uh, something they did with John McIntyre in Chicago, and then uh, Hey Satomi by The Bungles. Cool. It was Mr. Bungle. I met the bass player yeah. in uh, New York City. I was in New York City last week, finishing my third opera. Cool. Yeah, congratulations on that. I'm yeah, excited to hear. It's a that. lot of work. Yeah, but uh, Trevor Dunn came over and he's bass player. From Mr. Bungle was a band with Mike Patton. Yeah, he's yeah. badass. And uh, Nels had some uh, th- three gigs in uh, Chile, Argentina, and Brazil. Oh, cool. And uh, Devin Hoff had hurt his wrist, so Dev- uh, Trevor Dunn filled in for him. Pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, I was very sweaty over there. Yeah, <laughs> New York City. Yeah, so. we are spoiled here. I mean, you know, I was telling Brother Matt, Brother Matt, your first time. Yeah, yeah, I was over there uh, uh, just the other day, also. Oh wow! Yeah, his first time in New York City. So cool. Yeah, yeah, it's wow. it's uh, it's different than here by the water in Pedro, huh? Mm-hmm. There's water there, but yeah, it's just a different yeah, trip. It's a little different island life. I got off the plane, you know, and. Uh, at nighttime here at Long Beach Airport. And I was like, whoa, a place where nighttime isn't sweaty. Because <laughs> I just had two weeks of just every night was just almost as hot as a day. No, no, it's crazy. We are so lucky for the weather. We here. are, yeah. we are. Uh, but uh, Tony Mamoni, he was the bass player for Perubu, a band from the 70s, Cleveland. And big hero, me and D. Boone saw them play at the Whiskey in 77, do their modern dance. And it blew our minds. Blow our minds in here. I, uh, you know, I kind of set up the proj. It's the reason I put together the Missing Man was all to make this third opera, and the plan was to make it with tone. Cool. You know, when do you get to do something like that? Yeah. All these years later, I would have never imagined even meeting him, let alone having him there. I played his bass, oh, his cool. '67 jazz bass. Oh. Yeah, and uh, he's helping me. But I did all the bass because when. I was on tour last year. We took three days off, stopped in Brooklyn. And at his studio, I had Tom and Raul play the guitar and drums and record just without with with them and not with me, without bass. Because they, there's 30 little songs. And so I respect a Minute Man. I didn't want it to be too much Minute Man. So I thought if I remove the only Minute Man, which was myself, 
it's an unusual thing for me. I uh, wrote it all on D. Boone's Telecaster, and I wow. can't play guitar very well. But Tom Watson was very patient and <laughs> to learn it all. There's hardly a, there's one solo he's got. All the rest, I would write him little melody lines and stuff, but I can't you know, really do all that. I can't play with a pick. And then uh, me, I put on a guitar with Tom in the practice pad, and um, with Raul, we worked out the drums. Because cool. he can't play drums, but I have him try different things, and then according to his style, make it. Because I didn't want him to play stuff that was too unnatural for him. I wanted him to stretch, because he comes from hardcore, and good spirit and stuff, but uh, not a lot of... Uh, Experiment with uh, approaches, uh, time, and uh, phrasing mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, on the other hand, I still wanted it to be him. Mm-hmm. So me and Tom just it was also a way I could like beat the riffs into Tom. Uh, one song, two minutes, but the rest about a minute and a half. I remember Dave Grohl told me I saw him at the Runaways premiere. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I did a tour with Watt, and we had to play his songs. He was. It was, like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done musically. And I was like, I know I played a, a few warp tours with Watt playing his songs, you know, the Big Bang Theory and your oh, tunes, yeah. you know? And how, you know, it was just a great lesson in musicianship, having to, to do something that you wrote, you know? it's. Uh, I think it's weird, maybe, for songs come from the bass, even though I did them on the guitar. And I did chords and stuff, but pretty palsy. <laughs> they were beautiful to, uh, guys to do it but anyway this is uh, recording you can do things that you can't do at gigs like at a gig I can't tell the people hey look I'll put the bass on later <laughs> 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 okay but that's what I was doing last week last that's week, so bitchy and now he's going to mix it July 11th cool and uh, it should be out in the fall yay yeah it's it's a big deal for me it's so cool but uh <clears throat> Yeah, so what you're doing now is yeah, I'm just you divided the, your music into yeah. like p- the passion part, yeah, which uh, shouldn't have compromise, and you just no. you just donate it out, and yeah. then you do the other things like the movie stuff, and uh, now this production thing and that's bands new, that's like all just for me, yeah. yeah, 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 and and producing producing bands and producing records and making records and. You know, like E-Rock and Pete is, like, when I collaborate with people, that's all towards, you know, uh, it's all stuff that we do and and uh, and I try to make a living with and, you know, and then playing Lollapalooza, Blues, I get paid to do that. I'm going to do that with Tor Himes. He's a great jazz producer, piano out, huh? player. Yeah, and Perry invites me every year and tour to play the Kids of Palooza stage, which is right. really cool. And we do a thing where we play and then I have my laptop and... DJ at the same time while we're playing with a live band, then I pull up kids on stage and have them strum. Because the mojo's there if the intention's right. That's what it's all about is intention, you know. But you and Per do a duet? No, no, no. He always plays by himself, and I do my trip. He lets me do my trip, and I let him do his trip. Ah, okay. Because he's got, you know, we have porno for Proud Skate, even though we haven't played in a long time. Yeah. uh, But he's he's busy with Jane's Addiction right now, and that's... Okay. Yeah, but it... um... Interesting though, if porno when, when they get going again, yeah. Because it, for me, it was great experience. I, I love that music. Thank you. And uh, in the gigs, and yeah, it was great. Yeah, it made me very positive thing. Of course, there was those nightmares and stuff, but 
um, when I look back, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a hard time with that uh, being judgmental. I know uh-huh. that was a, a sickness, and to me, the my uh, time serving with that crew was beautiful because of the music and the passion that was put into the playing and the gigs, and it was just beautiful. And that's what I remember. Uh, Me too. I mean, there was weird stuff, but everybody got healthy later. Mm-hmm. God bless, you know. Yeah. It was trippy in a way. Yeah. Probably people couldn't believe it would happen. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, didn't I always had faith in you guys. Uh-huh. I know it was a hard time and stuff, but I just knew you as all real good guys. i never seen so many chicks on a stage before. <laughs> oh, yeah. There was, a, there was one period where the, the, the juice and clothes guy was asked to go out in the crowd find people to be the choir these dudes had never heard the songs and I guess he would just pick them on how they looked and, and Perry would be there with them like five minutes before we're going on stage trying to teach them the words <laughs> our family that was t- really incredible t- too about my bass playing I only got to do two songs because I was touring at the same time but one was the title song got a good God's urge and mm-hmm. it was the trippiest way I'd ever been learned a song because uh, what Pear did was he told me the story of this song. His pop, Peter's pop, very sick. And Peter asked God, look, get, save my pop, please. And I'll you know, do what you want. And, and then it went into another part where they're surfing. <laughs> and there's like a, you know, the feeling of like a... Sh- shark or something being a hard charger so he mixes these two kind of uh, emotion states in one song uh, set up the kick drum under the, the, in the in the kitchen the kick drums under the chow table Peter had a guitar like this one here they just start going for it it was like wow and so you know I got the bass there and we do this song in the kitchen just like that without prac or anything and uh it comes apart when it goes into that shark surfing mm-hmm. part uh, where the band just stops. You know, play something there. You know, so I just thought of a lick in the middle me. and the whole band jumped on and the eye contact, I'd never really been in this situation before. Now even with the Minutemen where the eyes were so strong, everybody's looking at you, looking at, and I've never had been connected. A lot of lessons from that experience mm-hmm. being with porno I've used ever since in my wow. other bands and stuff. That's heavy. Then the other one was A Hundred Ways. And that was more like the track was already done and I just played bass to it. Yeah. With TJ was the engineer. But the, the Good God yeah, was good just God's made was, uh, in the moment yeah. and, and from, the, from the story. That's yeah. righteous because that's such a bitching tune. It is, it is. But I mean, I had never been a part of the music made like that where you just, the guy tells you because it wasn't just notes and... Uh, Putting little tricks together, no, it was a sincere story, and then all come together to make the tune. It was beautiful. It was very emotional was for me emotional and stuff, thing. and so I, and I pulled in my... I didn't know what, where it was going exactly, so I listened to his singing. The melody line, Peter was strum, jum, 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 good God. And so I just kind of made the bass line to the singing. I didn't know where it was going. You know, so they totally led me there and, and put me there, and I let go. Of all my, like, oh, what's it supposed to be and all this? No, let it go. Let these guys show you, learn you. 
go on on with it. You know, uh, and it was beautiful for me. That's I, what I used that experience all through my other band since, and that was very very profound. It's like going back to a Minutemen days kind of feeling when I did that song with you guys. Now, well, that song to me was the only at that point when I think about the whole. Time up there, two years, six months. Yeah. There was one jam that you and I and Perk did alone. Oh, yeah. Blood was falling from my finger from going nuts. And then that song, recording that song in that. And I remember that. And then also doing Bali Eyes in my bed with a nylon string like I have right now. But but we should play Good God's Earth. Yeah, play it. You want me to play it? No, I don't have a bass here. Should I play it acoustically? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
Yeah. <laughs> Itching. Yes, righteous. Beautiful. Those are fun days. <laughs> yeah, profound on me. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, we're at the end of the first hour of Watford Pedro Show, July 27. No, June. <laughs> Getting ahead. June 27, 2010. Hold tight for hour two. June 27, 2010, your second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
from Pedro show uh, let's see that chunk of music there following the spin cycle brother Matt collaborate with Peter DiStefano with the baseball bat neck ES335 cool <laughs> I've had it two months yeah Gibson made it 
and you uh, put up all the bones. Well, yeah, they 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 gave me they gave me free guitars, but this one was a custom shop one, and so I had to help with the with the craftsmanship and paying the people to build it and the wood and all that stuff. It's pretty. It's beautiful. Nineteen fifty nine reissue. Yeah, it's nice. Tobacco. Yeah, I like it because it, it's the most versatile guitar. I can get the most like acoustic, then to like a Les Paul, then like a straight. You know, just with the knobs, you can mm-hmm. clean it up and then get it dirty and knob it up. Use yeah, a lot of effects. <clears throat> just a wah wah and a distortion box. Oh, cool! It's a tube screamer. Yeah. Uh, I've had tube screamer and a wah wah. I don't even bring a tuner. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you these songs we just heard. The monkeys are in charge by. Kostoglotov, they're from England. Maybe he's emigrate. Immigrant. Immigrate. <laughs> Ain't I great? No. I'm retarded. Then uh, there's a band from um, Finland called Kakao Kam Kami. And uh, their song, Half Man, Half Bono. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> Trippy, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's instrumental. Mm-hmm. So I guess they leave it to your imagination. <laughs> you want to make of that? And then we heard uh, "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme," uh, Black Flag, cool composition uh, covered like country western, and uh, Kay uh, Kira singing it. Mm. Cool, yeah, Trippy. I was on. Uh, it's a new EP came out where uh, this cat named Evan. Uh, drummer man and hey let's do black flag songs like they were country songs mm-hmm. I was on uh, six pack I think cool and then we heard the crabs with uh, me and my girl we're gonna go surfing and they're from Ireland cool and then Nay no Nay Denti Nay Huh? Yeah, maybe no teeth. Something about the teeth, yeah. Nei denti. <laughs> Italiano, his name is Matteo Benici. Wow. And uh, he's a cello player, but also a bass player. He was in town with Sugodi when I played with them in Long Beach mm. and Echo Park. And cool. a great cat. Yeah, they live a little uh, north of friends of Neo Pisano? Penzano? It's a little village, Tuscany. Cool. Beautiful. You know the, the Renaissance paintings, and you see the backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know the hills mm-hmm. and the f- farms and the fields. It's just it. like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it's incredible. You know, see, I've seen this, and this is their backyard. You know, it's out there, and the, mm-hmm. very, very beautiful. Um, I did a radio show in the pad. The pad is two hundred years old. Oh the kitchen wow! Was this size. Wow. Big high. Do you do radio Sealers. shows when you're away from each other? Yeah. On the lap, you can I do, do it that? on tour. So I started yeah. doing it. I like them best with Brother Matt, but I'm on tour and otherwise be big gaps. And that's what used to happen in the old days. So now mm-hmm. I try to fill in the gaps with torn with the remote shows. But one good thing is I can have guests like these cats, uh, Matteo and two other guys in the, in the band, uh, Sigori, uh, Jacopo and Andrea. And they made me big old chow. We were chowing it while we were doing the show. Yeah. Sort of like we're doing with this pizza. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, bro. This has meant the world to me. Oh. What about it? Do you ever get asked advice about music? Advice from people? 
Yeah, maybe young people wanting to get into music. And they ask you for advice. If that ever happened, can I ask you? Yeah. What advice would you give to young people wanting to get into music? Um, to be honest. Whatever you do, just be honest in your delivery. Find out what you really are and what you really want. And then it doesn't matter what the notes are, how many notes, the technique. The technique will follow the expression of what the truth is. If it's chaos buzzing butterflies in your stomach, you'll play a bunch of notes to get that out. If it's peace, you'll do these beautiful sounds, you know. But if you really want to, like, learn and master people like Segovia or Beethoven or Bach, then you go to school and you go and you learn how to read and you do all that and you do techniques and stuff. But, but you know, I, I would say just honesty. Honesty, honesty, honesty. And uh, with your instrument. Now, you don't have to go out and get yourself destroyed in life, honestly. But, you know... When you pick it up, just be real. And that that's what it is, I think. You know, and then people ask me, how do you play outside and how do you play all these weird notes and, and the scales and stuff? And you can't play out unless you've been out. You know, when I was in a mental ward or addicted to heroin or, you know, it's like falling down a flight of stairs. If you understand discordance, really, the truth, then, the, then any note will work. Like when you pick up the guitar, it doesn't matter what it is. You, It doesn't matter what notes I play, they all work because there's only 12 notes and I've experienced all parts of those. I've earned the right to be able to play 12 notes as opposed to a a fixed thing that is right and wrong. And I I believe wrong is beautiful, that is life. So I purposely play the wrong notes because I'm wrong. I'm making bad decisions, I'm texting wrong. You know, I end up in a mental ward, you know what I mean? I'm doing bad decisions, I'm selfish, self-centered. I lie, I cheat, I steal. And so I learn through agony and pain from doing these behaviors. And then good things happen to bad people, you know, or and bad things happen to good people. You know, the kids getting sick and stuff. And this world's a trip, man. I don't get it, you know. It's a discordant life. Yeah, but it's a happy life, too. But, I mean, if you want to get into playing outside, you got to understand agony and pain and fear and loss. And that's all it is. It's fear and loss and pain and being wrong. I'm a wrong guy, so I can play wrong notes. You know. We need to talk to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what about songwriting? Has that changed for you over the years? Um, yeah, it's really weird when people try to pinpoint me in a thing. You should be an acoustic thing, or you know, sanctuary saying, "Yeah, we're going to make you more like a John Mayer type," or you know, get you in this Jack Johnson type of thing, and they'd have me open up for Jack Johnson, and I go, okay, I'm coming with my acoustic and I'd show up with an electric guitar, tons of distortion by myself and just feedback, Bernie Insta. You know, I always just, as soon as someone says you should do this, I want to do the different. And I don't know if that's because I'm mean and selfish and self-centered and want to be a punk or Dennis the Menace, or if it's really, I just don't want to be one thing. I want to, I want to be the best classical guitar player. I want to be the best jazz guitar player. I want to be the best punk rock blues and stuff like that and I can't do that and I know I'll never do that and so I'm bummed you know and I don't want to just stick in one style because as soon as I stick in one style I go oh my god I love that other style oh my god and so I wish I could only just be like a blues guitar player or a you know like master one thing but I'll I'll always love everything you know that's real you know no but Peter a songwriter oh songwriter has it changed for you yes 
how you did a member. You tell me about those Love is a Magnet. Yeah, yeah. Has it changed from those days to now, how you write in songs? Yes, yes. I'm, I'm more of like, like when I write now, I used to just think of the guitar chord structures. Yeah. And then I'd look at like Perry and other people to do the other parts, like the words and stuff like that. Now I look at everything, the drums, the bass, the guitar, the words, the poetry, the meaning, the tones, the mixing, the mastering, the amp, you know, all that stuff, because I'm making records all by myself. Like that song that we played yeah, uh, was all done, you know, and I have this little Yamaha drum What do you come up pack, with first? And um, it depends. Usually a click of what click the speed first. is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, words. All the, the words is usually first. Like, I'll oh, go, really? oh my God, I'll, I'll have this words. And I'll go, what is the, the speed of how I want to express these words? And then I'll find a click, and I'll pick up a guitar and jam to it or a bass. Guitar, bass to the click. And then when I get a thing, then I'll get my drumsticks out on this little Yamaha pad thing that has drum sounds. Yeah. And I'll go, you know, and I'll... Do a beat it a, out. Yeah, I do, I'll do like a four on the floor, and then this, yeah. and then I'll start. Tr- and always, Mitch Mitchell is my favorite drummer, and John Bon John Bonham to hold down the four to floor. But I loved how Mitch Mitchell just kept adding notes and doing twirls and showing everything he did. And it just, it just. But the good news about that is yeah. that because we can do this garage band thing where we grab pre-done drums and yeah. everything just sticks the same, and there's no loops. So I'm trying to do purposely out of quantize out of tune i do flams on purpose i'm trying to make it real because it's so not real I'm, it's all just a computer i'm doing it all on a computer so the last thing on is voice the last thing on is voice and it's the least Which time i trip. spend time on yeah but it's a trip because the first thing is the words the words and then the last, the last thing i do is, voice. Is, is i listen to the music and then i just read off the paper so what you I, want to do you want the music to be used to make those words into music yes Yes. Music, the instruments to make the words into music. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the words like kind of give you a focus. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll 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 go through like. God, you like were talking about all these genres and stuff, but if you have a set of words, genre's not important. Whatever. Genre's not important. What what uh, other uh, kind of vision or something yes. you get from your spiel? Yeah. 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 And if it's like if I'm singing about something, you know a. a romantic experience at some kind of a place when I was dancing when I was young or whatever down the hill here into that style of music that was playing at that time and the people go oh what are you doing dance music well that's what was at you know when I met my wife at the club that's what was playing was trance music you know so whatever and then I'll do that kind of beat to do these words and and then if it's a blues like a, a feeling that I'm sad and I'm sorry or whatever I have a tendency to go to blues riffs you know blues kind of riffs and and if it's like a bad boy behavior with sadness, then it, I get that kind of, like that last song I just yeah. played you. It was bad boy behavior with sadness from my consequences of what I've done. Yeah. So that's the song. That's the riff. Boom, boom, you know. Boom, boom. But I think that now that it's coming to me, I think it went, No, what? What? Whatever it was, I blues. can't remember. Yeah, it's, so it's, blue. blues. Yeah, it's okay. a twelve bar kind of thing because yeah. it's a bluesy feeling. Yeah. But there's a wickedness to the uh, riff, mm. like a bad boy riff, right. and so that fits with the words, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. Why? I mean, you you know me better when, than uh, <laughs> when you think about today. What could would you like to change about music scene? It 
And I'm not doing if this could, to blow could. smoke up your butt because you put me on your show and because I love you and everything. But the truth is, study Mike Watt. Study how he lives, man. The, no, I'm telling you, I'm not going to say names, but there was a person who played Lollapalooza. And I heard it this morning that he had his wife and his two kids to get in a van with this rock star guitar player last year's Lollapalooza. And the guy was like, I don't drive with kids. I, you know, and he had to have his own town car made this whole scene. And it's people like that that make, or it's behavior like that, that makes the music business suffer. It should suffer. It should lose money. It should, you know, the stars should be scientists and doctors. And you know what I mean? People should be going after that. If a musician is humble, like Mike Watt and lives humbly and is not worried about the fashion and the looks and the whole trip and the clapping and blowing smoke up your ass. You just want to get better on an instrument and make good music. Then, yeah, then that deserves to be compensated for the work, the hard work, like a plumber, like a blue-collar musician should get paid. But this whole rock star thing, like they're gods and everything, and then they treat people like, I can't go in a car with you because I don't ride with kids and I deserve a limo and shit like that. That's bullshit. And that should be punished, in my opinion. So I like that the music industry is suffering because it's it's got too many phonies, faking, dying. And I'm one of them. So I can't help dyeing my hair and shit, you know. And I just look at Watt and I'm gray today and I'm showing the gray. <laughs> but it's hard, bro. I you know, It's hard. It's hard to be real. It's all you right know? to do all that shit, though. I mean, if you color your no, hair, no, no, no. That's not. I, I'm not hair. putting down coloring my hair. For me personally, I need to get into the music. To being honest, and I forget about it all. And I want a limo and a jet and a money and a fame and a fans and all that stuff. And I would be lying if I didn't say I wanted that first and foremost. But that's going to make shitty music. And what I really want is good music. And so, what makes good music is follow what follow. Follow the jazz players, man. The people that were in the streets playing the clubs. People that didn't get a chance to get the money and the limos and and the, you know. And there's people don't even work on their musicianship or vocabulary anymore. They stick to the same vocabulary that they had in the early, in the mid-80s. And they're now, and they're just concentrating on their stomach, abs, and their looks and all this shit. And then they're writing music that isn't as powerful as it was 20 years ago for them. And so I just want to get better, and I'm not—I don't know if I'm getting better or worse, but I sincerely want it. And so, you know, in honor of you, Watt, that was you, you and my friend Tor. I shaved my head and showed gray to the world. You know, this is what I really am—a 45-year-old gray man who's been through shit, man. And that's a pretty boy. You know that—that that I'm trying to make you all think I am, because I don't have faith that my music's good enough to, to sustain me. So I got to do some dye or some kind of wardrobe to to make you guys think that I'm worth, you know, supporting me to do music. And that's bullshit, man. If it's not good sonically or emotionally when you hear it, then I don't deserve it, you know? And that's what's important. But I'm learning that from you, Watt. You know, you're the leader of that. And that's why when we do Hell Ride, everyone screams, Watt. And you're the star of the band because you're the you're the guy with your head down wailing. Peter, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Watt, yeah, thank yeah, you so much. You. It's an honor, Matt. Thank you yeah, so much, you guys. You. Brother Twan, for coming by. Yeah, thanks for, yeah, thanks for coming yeah. by, bro. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And um, the third hour here, I got another Pinhead from Asia segment from Miss Pin. Cool, cool. And uh, so she's going to play a bunch of music. June yeah. 27, 2010, Old Type Power 3.
Okay, you're listening to the very special radio semi-program called Pin Heaven Asia segment, episode number five, brought to you by the Wat Feng Pichu Show. And I'm DJ Pin Heaven Taiwan, bringing you songs forgotten, bands disbanded, musicians deceased or disappeared, unpopular pop songs, and all things used in Asia. Nothing new, everything renewed, depending on your perspective. If this reminds you of a Chinatown pawn shop you've been to, well, I don't blame you. Next, we have Guitar Wolf. Their version of Summertime Blues first recorded by A.D. Cochran in 1958. Not Blue Cheer, though. Well, Blue Cheer's version was damn good. They did an ultra-excellent cover of Summertime Blues 10 years after the original was recorded. Billy, Billy Hum, the bassist of Guitar Wolf, died at the age of 38. Heart attack. Never too young to die for rock and roll. And death never gets old. What did the other members of Guitar Wolf wear for Billy's funeral? As usual, black jacket. Midori is due next. Sorry. 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 Sorry.
This is Kick-Ass Crazy Indie Band from Osaka. The style is fusion of jazz and punk and rock, but well, fusion sounds neutral. Come on, fusion is smart and mellow. That's not me, Dolly. Schizophrenic, yes, that's where they are. They simply blend all sorts of contrasting elements and spit out everything they play out, so chaos is really what they're going for. The first time I saw their promo video one or two years ago, I was definitely amazed. Nothing sexier than a crazy screaming chick in a sailor suit, blocks black hairs all over her shirt and running around with a machine gun. And you absolutely have no freaking idea what the music is about because it was too fast and too busy. The pace is always weird. Well, Mariko. Mariko is their singer. What can you say about her? She's comical and iconoclastic in a cool way. So, enjoy your midori.
Magic Sing Norgview Zelda.
You just listen to this lovely track by Japanese all girl in the pop group Zelda, and the track is called Umetate. And now, what you are about to hear is a song called Celebration by the bunch of male chicks called Lizer, formerly known as Benito Kage. <laughs>
glazer is also known as Momoyo the glazer. Momoyo is the last name of a laser singer, and they were formerly historically known as Benito Kage. It's kind of like Pin, known as Pinhead, and Pinhead is actually Victoria, and people just refer her to Vic, but she keeps telling people that she's Pin, that kind of stuff, right? No, not really. Okay. Haha. <laughs> um, the track is from Junopedia, first released in 1981. Now it's been reissued with bonus track with excellent packaging. Bought it months ago. Real unique style, really unique. The songs they play are obscure but not hard to digest. It's just like any other great indie punk band of that era. So we've been playing a lot of Japanese indie stuff from late 70s to early 80s in the previous Pinhead episodes, right? We've been listening to Bachiga Bully, Jakadala, and maybe Friction too. Well, Zelda, Zelda was actually popular during the same period of time as well. So next, I'll give you a few more truly outstanding but obscure Japanese indie stars to be heard and to be revived with the curse of Pinhead from Asia. I doubt it. First, I give you Inu, led by singer Majida Ko, also known as Majida Majizo. <laughs> Again, um, he's now a critically acclaimed novelist, a very eccentric and creative individual that he is. Let's give a listen to Tsuru Tsuru Notsubo, which is my favorite track from Inu's masterpiece, Meshikuna. <laughs> Oh, no. 
That was Inu and soon you'll be listening to Hikachu's witty, quirky, avant-gardish fun stuff. Let's just go with fun stuff. After that, I'll give you a few doses of Ishimaru, mainly tracks taken from his latest effort, an album called Unpop. Well, these musicians have one thing in common. They do pop songs. That's the attitude. It's like, can't help it. I'm weird. It's weird means pop. It's not normal means cutting-edge experimental music. As creating pop, it's the experimentation. Have you heard of Machitako's solo piece? It's like, Machita, the gentleman in white ties and tails, piano in wine, and then the song is like, <laughs> If you do, then you know what I'm talking about. Okay, Hikachu is next.
Engineer from Asia segment, episode number five, could be the most talkative episode ever. Brought to you by possibly the most talkative man you know from San Pedro. In case you're wondering how the hell I come up with the song list that I play for each episode, um, I just kind of randomly select stuff that I listen to, and I do listen to these stuff for the last maybe ten years. I don't know. They might sound real obscure to you, right? But they must be something good in a way. Could be a very subjective way from my perspective, though. For example, I really like MSBR and Somania. Great noise, damn good, but they're way out there, uncomprehensible. Something like that does expand one's vision, though. But listening to these stuff really doesn't make me a much more fashionable music lover. That's not what I'm going for anyway. I just love them. Simple as that. I don't like it to hate music. Why would I hate music? Well, I just don't like how some people treat music as. I don't like how they do so, and I don't like why they do so. Music or noise, just love it. Doesn't need a cause and effect reasoning for that, which is always conventionalized and distorted. So, I'll see what I can play for MSBR. MSBR's Holy Mountain Electronics. MSBR, love it. Big respect, Koji Tano. Thank you so much. We love you to death. 
But I must say, it's not something that you can listen to every day. And what could be something that I can listen to on an everyday basis? Um, DRI, MDC, DOA, and No Means No. Never get sick of No Means No. And maybe space ritual and dope smoker. And what's everyday life like? Got a shitty job and shitty life. Putting out shitty noise recording and DIY releases. See ya. I listen to what you listen to, and I am just like you, most of you. It's a size of life feeling that we get here, but there's the other side of life and music. It's something cruel and something dark, something uncomprehensible, which is what I'm sharing with you through the music I play and you listen. Quite unfortunately, sharing is the real brutal part, isn't it? The real brutal nature of Pinhead from Asia, huh? So, do not panic. Okay, Anarchy is next. No shutters wide. I'm going to play to you and things I'm about to explain to you will be something that elevates my idea of sharing music with you to a higher degree. Sometimes songs are meant to be listened by those who are estranged to the language, time, place, and stories told in the songs. Sometimes we need estrangement to get new meanings of words and to have stories passing on or to have songs being heard again and again. So, strangers, sometimes I need you. Sometimes you need me. Small narratives are something capable of slipping out of rules, of pinning down another bunch of rules, and they are capable of slipping out from meaning, signifying another meaning. A beautiful folk song is like that. It's a singing of nature's experimentation, which is still nature. Here I give you a song written by the mother nature, a story about an island that doesn't have a name, but a description, which is beauty. And Mother Nature's voice is whispering the words I know. They are the things I like in my childhood. They are buffalo, rice, banana, and magnolia. History begins with dates and ends with killing.
like a song that was not heard or heard distorted. It's like hearing these strange words to your ears, and they are 水牛稻米香蕉玉兰花 
匆匆。光阴模仿松，匆匆匆匆，我等到了尽头，望叹痴心成空。人生啊，就像一条路，一会儿西一会儿东，匆匆匆匆。那就像一条路，一会儿西一会儿东，匆匆匆匆，匆匆匆匆。That was Hu Defu, and next we have Ajiko. Ajiko is this song three-piece consists of singer Uwa and also Benji from Blanket Jet City, and also Tokia that plays bass. Since it's more like a side project to the members, so I guess it's reasonable that they only release one full album so far. It's called Fukami Doli, that means deep green. I used to listen to Fukami Doli constantly while taking trains. Just some listening while seeing the moving landscape outside the window of the train, seeing deep green fields and clear blue sky. Just typical Southern Taiwan landscape. Seeing that and listening to Fukami Doli, it's full of flowing sounds and fast movement, but it's really a beautiful, peaceful moment to me. Unfortunately, the green field no longer exists, not like before. Great flood occurred in Southern Taiwan last year. All you see is muddy ground. A lot of farmers are still quite reluctant to plant something on their field. They would rather just scatter around some seeds and let it grow free. And doing that actually allows them to apply for funding money to get by. I can understand that, but it's not it's not gonna do any good to the soil and the fields. So all there is to see are things in your memories and books you read. It reminds me of a poem by Arthur Rimbaud called "Sun and Flesh." Well, metaphorically, your mind's gonna be a great painter too, 'cause that deep green takes a lot of layers to paint and to parse into your memory. That deep green deserves it. Here's Ajiko's Fukami Doli, a beautiful track called Hato. Die. 
it's almost the end of the fifth episode of Pinhead from Asia Second. I'll give you a song by Clipper, not Clippers from Los Angeles. Clipper, 夹子电动大乐队 this extravagant Taiwanese indie pop phenomenon, combining electronic music with oddball eccentric parodies of Taiwan's low culture. It's like if you're a Taiwanese kid growing up in 70s and 80s like me, it's highly possible that you learn what electronic music is from either a. Stripper dance showcase at all kinds of temples festivals, or B, stripper dance showcase at Taiwanese traditional wedding ceremonies, which are usually big block parties. Clipper kind of、um, plays tribute to that. Well, hell to our everyday shady life. Here is Jazz 电动大乐队。Thank Miss Pin for、uh, <laughs> Pinhead from Asia segment number five. There, we've reached the end of、uh, the June twenty seventh, two thousand ten Watt from Pedro show. I want to once again thank Mr. Peter DiStefano,、yeah. making a hell ride from Camarillo to Pedro here in the Love Grotto at Pleasure Point, Brother Twine. Thank you too, thank you, Brother Matt. Most essential aid in bed is, of course, always.、Uh, 
keep your powder dry. <laughs>